Hey there, welcome to the Pine Island Experience Podcast. I'm Joanna Anderson with my husband, Trigby. Each of our episodes will be conversations with fellow Pine Islanders. The goal of our podcast is to share with you our experiences, what we have found to be fun, and what makes the Pine Island Experience so unique. got a job at an architectural hardware company in Oakland Park, Florida. They taught me how to read key locks and master key locks. And we didn't do it as a business outside in the field. We, we sold the locks, the doors, the frames, the hinges, blah, 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 the boarding stuff. But they taught me how to do it. So what happened was I was making $7.50 an hour lugging solid wood doors, hollow metal doors, frames, cases of hinges, sweating. As a, you know, I was 20 years old. I mean, then I could do it, but now, but, um, so one of the GCs came in, general contractor, and they were converting a Winn-Dixie into a Toyota dealership. And he came in and he says, he came in and said, listen, who's your locksmith? Because I want, I want to, before, when I turn the building over, I want to master key it for them. That's in their contract, you know? So I went into my boss or my, the owner, whatever it is. And I said, you know, do you mind if I, Give him a price. You know what I mean? And he goes, well, we don't do it. We, you know, we didn't go out in the field and do it. You know what I mean? So I went over. I had a motorcycle at the time. Drove over. Looked up the, he looked at the blueprints and, you know, walked around. I gave him a price. And when I, he gave me the job. And when I was done, I made $43 an hour. This is back in 86, I think. 86. And I said, I want to be a locksmith. That was Tommy Kramer of Kramer's Cutting Edge, located near the center. Tommy can sharpen just about any knife or blade, and he has a long list of sharpening services, including knives, scissors, garden tools, high-end shears, and chainsaw blades, to name a few. He's a certified locksmith, and he can duplicate even the most difficult-to-find keys. Tommy is devoted to Pine Islanders, believing people should never have to leave the island just to have something sharpened or to change watch batteries. Here's Tommy. Well, welcome, Tommy. I heard you say Tommy, so you prefer Tommy, but Tommy yes. Kramer. It's yes. um, from Kramer Cutting Edge. Kramer's Cutting Edge, yes. Kramer's Cutting Edge. Thank you. We really appreciate you coming over today. I appreciate the opportunity. Super. Well, today, what we do is we start with your background, with um, where you're from, where you grew up, and um, your family, um, where you've worked before, if you could fill us in on, sure. on some of those. I was born in Key West. I was raised in Miami. Oh. Yeah. And um, I came over here recently, almost three years ago, because my mother lives in Cape Coral. She's up in age, but she's doing good. My sister lives here, my nephews. Um I've been a locksmith for 37 years. Um, I've been sharpening for 30 years. Um, I've basically worked for myself since 1990. So when we came over here, it, was, it would be hard for me to get a job, job. So I decided I was going to open a business, open up shop. So, and so far, we opened up in June of 2021. So it's been two years. And uh, we we didn't get to open when we wanted to, but I opened up dead in June, which is, as we know, snowbirds are gone. Mm -hmm. So it's been a long struggle, but we're doing okay. It's surviving. And then how about your family? I know you're married with kids. Uh, uh, <laughs> I have two daughters, both are teachers. I just... My youngest daughter just had a grandson. He looks just like me. <laughs> looks just like me. The Kramer genes are strong. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my my current wife, we dated. Her mom introduced me to her back in 1984. Mm -hmm. We were teenagers. I'm three years older. And make a long story short, not to bore the people who are listening. Uh, her ex-husband locked her. She was the only woman I ever loved, loved in my life. Mm -hmm. And I talked about her all through my life to my family. 
and uh, it's only because my stupidity we broke we broke up. But her ex husband locked her out of her gun safe, and because I'm a locksmith, she messaged me on Facebook, and here we are. Wow. Yeah, it's a true love story. That's a great story. It was meant to be, right? I hope so. <laughs> So you mentioned um, being born in Key West. How many years did you live there before you went? Because then you transitioned. You said raised in Miami. So were right. you there a few years? Well, to be honest, my family, my, my mother's side, the Roberts side of the family, um, came across from England into the, the Caribbean islands. Okay. Turks, Caicos, Abacos. Mm -hmm. And then somehow they landed in Key West. Okay. So I was born in Key West. I had to, when I was born, I had to have surgery right away. And um, they, they couldn't fix me down there. So they drove me in a car. And this was 1965. They put me in a car with a nurse, not an ambulance, not a helicopter. And they drove me up to Miami to Variety Children's Hospital. Well, now it's Miami Children's Hospital. Okay. And uh, I, I wasn't supposed to be here, but... Area. And they That's took you amazing. to a children's hospital. It was yeah. the nearest one, probably. Mm -hmm. Yep. Wow. And uh, yeah, so basically, like I say, my esophagus was in my lung when I was born, and I was drowning on one side of my. Oh, no. Oh, well, you know, baby yeah, yeah, yeah. spit, mm -hmm. saliva, whatever you want to call it. And uh, somehow I made it. Wow. Scary. So no real memories of Key West other than what well, you had shared with you, per se. I've had fa I have family, or I had family down there. Okay. Most of the people in the cemetery down there are Roberts. Ah, okay. But I, we used to go there every two, three, four times a year. See my, I don't call her my aunt anymore, but go see Barbara. And uh, I had a cousin and stuff. And we'd just go down there and hang out for a week. And But, nah. <laughs> you, know. you know, it's interesting because we've talked to a number of people who've spent a portion of their life in Key West, but mostly adult life, you know, and particularly seemingly in their single years and, um, we've certainly visited Key West on our own, and, you know, it can be a little bit wild and crazy, particularly around the Duval. So it's just going to be interesting if, you know, you spent the first five, six years and, you know, what's like originally... I think, they, you know, in other words, they think of that as such a tourist destination versus a place where people actually live. And right. I mean, I, obviously, they know the servers and the bartenders live there or around there, per se, but um, different environments. But... By, then Miami's a nice area to grow up, and that must be the love of the dolphins. It, well, yeah. It, it used to be a nice area. <laughs> it's a zoo now, so no offense, Miami, sorry. A lot of people? A lot of traffic? A lot of traffic, a lot of people, bad highways, crime. I grew up in North Miami, and uh, it, was, it was a beautiful little city. Mm -hmm. And then all the older people passed away. And they sold their, their family sold the house. Well, you opened Kramer's Cutting Edge in February 21, right? Is I started that... it in February, but I didn't get open until June. Until June, okay. And then what, how did you come up with the name Kramer's Cutting Edge? Because it came to me, because um, there's no way to describe what I do. In a, my first company was called Kramer Lock and Door. So that's pretty simple. That was before I started doing sharpening. So Kramer's cutting is knives, cutting keys, um, and then the edge is for knives and, you know, different things. I mean, I sharpen everything except for circular saw blades and hand saws. I even do food processor blades. Oh. Yeah. And um, I do, I do a, an assortment, as you see over there, mm -hmm. an assortment of things that... You, like I told you earlier, my wife didn't think you could sharpen a shovel. Mm -hmm. And she likes to garden. And she would jump on her shovel like a pogo stick. I said, babe, <laughs> just give me the shovel. Let me sharpen it. And she goes. <laughs> I do this for a living, right? <laughs> I said, she says, you can sharpen a shovel. I said, yeah, I can sharpen a shovel. <laughs> Easy. So, you know, so just it was the only thing I could come up with, Kramer's. And then I put spell cutting with a K. Mm -hmm. um, just because I'm narcissistic about the letter K. And it, it it just made sense to me. And then my wife was like, yeah, that sounds really good. Kramer's cutting edge. So 
It is an interesting business challenge, though, because you're right. You could have picked a name, and people might not have reached out to you, or they'd assume you wouldn't do something. So when you, so on the upside, you have all these things that you can do and all these services to help people. The struggle is, to your point, if based upon what you call it, they might say, "Oh, well, that business probably doesn't do that based upon the name." kind right. of thing like that. So you had to find something that if it doesn't communicate that you do a lot of things, it certainly opens up the possibility somebody might drop in or call you and say, hey, I've got this. Can you work on it? Like I would have, uh, I to be honest, I think our Cuisinart our food processor is probably 35 or 36 years old, never never had it sharpened. But again, doesn't even cross my mind you could do this. So no. we probably should be dropping ours off. Yes, we should be. <laughs> That's immediately what I thought of. Yeah. It's hey. 30 years old. It works great. Um, I, I think the name triangulates. It hits everything that I basically do, except mm -hmm. for locks. It doesn't say I'm a locksmith. That's the only part of it that. But since we've been here, I told my wife when we came to this island, um, I said, I want to make sure people know who we are. And again, that sounds kind of narcissistic to some degree. Marketing. Exactly. And if I'm not going to promote myself, who's going to promote me? And my wife, she's she gets embarrassed sometimes because I, I give my card out to everybody, my business card. And I, and I go through my spiel of what I do. And she goes, well, if you were at a funeral, would you give your card out? I said, I'll leave one in the casket. I don't care. <laughs> right? You know. How else are you going to get your name out, right? Right. And, and you know, I'm also an elk. I'm actually the um, leading knight, which is kind of like the vice president of our lodge. Our lodge got blown away, so we're rebuilding. But um, through that and through just the community, um, people know the name Kramer, which I'm happy. And I'll be going, you know, I'll go to Winn-Dixie or CVS or, you know, wherever on the island. And people go, hey, the knife guy. Hey, the key guy. Hey, you know, hey, Tommy. Hey, hey, Kramer. A lot of people just call me Kramer. Well. But, you know. Paula Seinfeld, maybe. Yeah. That, it was my, my fourth grade teacher, Mr. Melagrano, was the first person to call me Kramer. So, I don't know. He didn't call me Tommy. <laughs> Good memories, though. Well, you know, the but, name might do more than you think because we both worked in the technology world. And if you adopt relatively new technology long before it's proven, you're seen as adopting cutting-edge technology. So although your name doesn't say locksmith, you are on the cutting edge of... I mean, you're doing fobs, uh, I understand, and those kinds of things, which are not traditional car keys from when we were all kids. Exactly. Now everything is more electronic or computerized, whatever you want yep. to say. So... You have to be up on newer things, which is kind of on the cutting edge. So you probably accomplish a little bit more than you think. Well, when I first started 37 years ago as a locksmith, I could take a key blank and a file. I mean, it's a locksmith file. It's not like a file that you have. In your... right. And I could take a key and make a key to your car. Wow. Now, with the keys that are cut down the middle, like the new Fords, new GMs, the Hondas, uh, some of the Nissan keys, you have to have a machine that can cut that it's not the traditional you know each side of the key mm -hmm. and you have to be able to originate and then and then you have to have a programmer to program the keys wow so there's a lot of money invested mm -hmm. and i'm still or we are still half the cost of what the dealer charges and uh, but i'm able to do that because i have a really good source for the fobs and the remotes and the keys we also do the, uh, we replace the batteries, we test the batteries, um, but it, it, it's a lot. Sometimes technology is my friend, and then sometimes technology, you know, gives me the yeah. finger. Yeah. <laughs> so. It does do wonderful things, but I know over the years we've learned, back in the day, we said, oh, sure, we can do that. But I'd rather under-promise and over-deliver, at least when we were doing it, because just there'll be that time when you say, oh, that won't be a problem. Then you're right. Then technology kicks you like you need a software update or something else has to, yep. or you're waiting on the vendor to send you something. And they're like, well, I thought you could do this where, um, but if you 
you know, the amount of work that you can save or some things that you can do, you know, the speed with which you can accomplish where the technology helps. So it is kind of a double-edged sword at times. Just use that. Yeah. It, it, like I say, it could be your friend, could be your enemy. For the most part, I have success with the car keys, the fobs and remotes. And then sometimes, like maybe one out of every eight or ten that I get won't program. And then a lot of people bring in, they buy from the internet because it's so, they buy it so cheap. Mm-hmm. And they come in, I just had it last week, and I say, listen, I, I cannot guarantee that it's going to program. So the first one I program, no problem. The second one would not program. Okay. So everything I I do, if I provide, I guarantee everything. So there's any keys that I cut, um, anything I do, if you're not happy, come back and see me. I have Kramer's Cutting Edge has a uh, five-star reputation on Google, mm-hmm. five-star reputation on Yelp, and and uh, all over the Facebook pages, um, Pine Island Prospect, blah, blah. Whatever the Pine Island Tunnel Pass, we have a great reputation. Yep, great so, reviews out there. Yes, and I've worked hard for that. So, right. you know, to keep it going, because you know, because we live on this little eighteen-mile island. Yes, and if you get one bad comment, one bad review, yeah, that's nasty. Yeah, so. So you mentioned you had family in there. I assume that's why then you moved here. Yes. Particularly your mother growing up in age. Do you remember how they found the area? Because that's always something we like to, it's interesting, you know, how people found this through old vacations or relatives and those kinds of things. Um, my mother, uh, when I was younger, we lived in Miami, obviously. And then uh, eventually she was in Pembroke Pines and then she went to Tallahassee for 20 years. And after 20 years, my, I guess my sister moved over to Cape Coral. She was here. So um, my mom decided to relocate, her and her husband decided to relocate to Cape Coral. And my nephews came, my niece came. And then after after I, you know, got back together with my wife, Suzanne, um, her kids were out, my kids were out. Her dad lives in Boquilla on a farm. He has a farm, mango farm. And my mom and my sister live right by each other. My mom bought a duplex. They live right by each other. And at, at that point, I was driving 200 miles a day to go to the locksmith shop that we had with a friend of mine. We were in business for 20 years. I just couldn't do it anymore. So we just decided we're going to jump in the pool. If we sink, we sink. We swim, we swim. And we came over here, bought our little piece of property. Um, little mobile home and uh thanks to ian i'm still not living in my house <laughs> oh you're not no <laughs> we took water and and i'm afraid of the mold mm-hmm. but it's yeah it's hopefully i'm gonna start this weekend and try to start getting everything you know fixed yeah oh, that's rough oh no it was i lost two vehicles it, it, oh oh yeah not a good thing. Yeah, I was going to ask you when you started. You were COVID was still around, mm-hmm. and then Ian. I mean, what that must do to, to people in their um, businesses and. Well, see, I I had had I had already built up a little bit of a business relationship with people and snowbirds and all that, and they all kept saying, "Oh, when I come, if I'd have known you were here." I'm going to bring my knives, I'm going to bring my scissors and, you know, gardening tools, whatever. And then Ian hit, and that kind of ruined the season for me. I mean, I survived, you know what I'm saying? But I'm fortunate, but hopefully this year everybody comes back. Yep. And, you know, I'm just hoping that everything, and, and again, more and more people tell everybody about me. Or about us, excuse me. You know, go see Kramer's, go do this. You know, this guy's sharp as knives. My knives are better than new. Scissors are better than new. I do pinking shears for, there's a couple of uh, sewing clubs. Pinking shears. I can do pinking shears. Amazing. Yeah. And again, I've I've had no complaints about any of my sharpening. I do the clipper blades that you, dog groomers use. 
Um, I do the expensive hair cutting shears, mm -hmm. like the four or five hundred dollar pair of shears. Yeah, they're they're called convex scissors. They're not like a regular pair of scissors. So you, you have a special machine that right. you have to have or equipment. And uh, if you take those type of scissors or shears to somebody that doesn't know what they're doing, yeah, they can't recognize what they are. They ruin your scissor, and then you have to actually come to somebody like me so I can restore right. the edge. I mean, it costs you money, but, it, it, you know, it, there's an experience level that you have to have right. in order to do the certain things that I do. No, I, I've talked to many, a person in that field who they just look at their, their, their scissors are so important to them. This, they have a special person that takes care of them. I mean, and uh, it's, it's their job. Right. Yeah. Oh, no, that's their livelihood. Yeah. The problem is I don't want to be mobile. I want all my commerce to be in my shop. Sure. But because a lot of people say, well, can you come to the, our hair salon or their, you know, dog grooming place, whatever? I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm at the age I'm at right now. I just want to do business in my shop. I only do locksmithing by appointment only. I don't do any emergency calls. And if I do get a lockout, a car lockout, like I said, I, I give it to a Pine Island locksmith because he's only mobile and he's a good guy. Mm -hmm. And you know, we get along really well. And I told him when I came here, I wasn't trying to take food out of his mouth. So I was very upfront with him. Good relationship. Yes. And you talked about having a previous business with a friend, and now you've got your own business. Have you always worked for yourself? Since 1990. Since 1990. So you did work for somebody. So was that kind of a dream I, to get into? You know, because a lot of people seems like people talk about wanting, you know, they want to be the boss, right? They want to run their own company. But as you know, that comes with its own challenges, overhead and worries and concerns and those kinds of things. So is it something you always wanted to do or is it just a good fit for you or how that part I, worked? My goal when I was younger, I said I want to own my own business. Okay. I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm -hmm. So I luckily got a job at an architectural hardware company in Oakland Park, Florida. They taught me how to rekey locks and master key locks. And we didn't do it as a business outside in the field. We we sold the locks, the doors, the frames, the hinges, blah, 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 okay. the boring stuff. But they taught me how to do it. So what happened was I was making $7.50 an hour lugging solid wood doors, hollow metal doors, frames, cases of hinges, sweating. <laughs> as a, you know, I was 20 years old. Yep. I mean, then I could do it, but now, but, um, so one of the GCs came in, general contractor. They were converting a Winn-Dixie into a Toyota dealership. And he came in and he says, oh. "Yeah." He came in and said, "Listen, who's your locksmith? Because I want, I want to before when I turn the building over, I want to master key it for them. That's in their contract, you know." So I went into my boss, or my the owner, whatever it is, and I said, "We, you know, do you mind if I give him a price?" You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, we don't do it. We, you know, we didn't go out in the field and do it. You know what I mean? So went over. I had a motorcycle at the time. Drove over. Looked up the, he looked at the blueprints and, you know, walked around. I gave him a price. And when I, he gave me the job. And when I was done, I made $43 an hour. Wow. This is back in 86, I think. 86. And I said, I want to be a locksmith. <laughs> I'm not gonna forget carrying these hinges and yeah, these for what, door $9 frames. Dollars an hour, seven fifty. Seven fifty. Oh my! And that was actually not a bad pay back then, but you know, I was just sweating. And yeah. If I could sit and pin up blocks for forty three dollars an hour, then that's what I want to do. And I happen to be good at it at the time. You know. Yeah. Turns out I'm good at it. Yeah. So. So I don't know if this will make it feel anybody. Uh -oh. My first job was lifeguarding, and you're thinking, oh, you're out at the pool, you're in a big... Be now, I didn't have to carry heavy stuff like you did, right? Right. But that... Uh, so in addition to lifeguarding, when you weren't lifeguarding, then they also had you cut the grounds, cut the grass on the grounds. That was a whopping 50 cents an hour. And then after... <laughs> you can imagine, then by the time they took out, you know, federal taxes and stuff, what the total amount of those checks were. But, I mean, obviously, I think now if you want to... You know, you probably learned some lessons and those kinds of things like that. But 
it, I, I only bring that up because I think today when people say, you know, what does a job pay? Kind of what's in it for me or something like that. I, and it's a different day and time and it's not fair to compare. But I mean, I thought that was fantastic at the time, 50 cents an hour. Uh, and I mean, you probably thought $7.50 were good until this opportunity presented itself and you found out, wow, if I'm out on my own, I can charge a, a you know, because companies have overheads, right? And they're, mm -hmm. they have to keep some of the money to stay in business and then they pay a portion of that to the employees. But here you found out that this independent thing could work out pretty well if you had the right skill. Yeah, I've, I've actually been working since I've been 11 years old. Wow. And um, one of my first jobs, actually my first job, I worked at a softball park right behind my elementary school. We had, they converted North City of North Miami converted to two softball fields, west and east. And somehow, I got I got a job shagging home run softballs, you know, over the fence. Oh, okay. And then I hung out, and then they I learned how to mark the field. And then the opportunity came up. Somebody taught me how to keep score. So the softball leagues paid money for umpires and scorekeepers. No kidding. And I did three games a night at 8.50 a game. Sounds nothing, but when you're 11 or 12 years old, 8.50 8, cents back you then. You were rich. <laughs> and I worked three games a night. And plus, I still worked for the city. I got a check from the city. But I've been working all my life. I've never, you know, been you're unemployed. Sad, huh? But that's just what my mother tells me. She says, she goes, you're, you're, you've always been a hustler. She says, you, you've always worked. She gets mad at me because, like, when I was younger, my finances, she'd say, you got to do this, you got to do that. I was like, I can heal over tomorrow, so who's going to get my money, me or the family? I know it sounds horrible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, when they say about life insurance, well, is it for my life or somebody else's life? <laughs> so I know it sounds horrible, but. Yeah, there's kind of a thing. So you've touched on a couple of things, but um, why don't you take a few minutes and talk about, since cutting edge is kind of broad, applicable but broad, so you mentioned the fobs and so forth like that, a few things we didn't know, like mm -hmm. uh, uh, Cuisinart art blades and those kinds of mm -hmm. What all do you cover, just so people know the kinds of things? In other words, you've already surprised us on a couple of things. You surprised your wife on the shovel, so maybe go through some of the things that you can handle and see that people might say, oh, I... I I didn't know that could be sharpened. I'd like to get it sharpened. And huh. don't miss the candy dispenser and bubble gum machine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the keys, hard to find keys. Um, I mean, I basically can sharpen anything with the equipment that I have. I do machetes. I do the hedge trimmers. If somebody wants to take their electric um, hedge trimmers mm -hmm. or the gas-powered ones, if they take it apart, I'll sharpen them. I'm not doing. I don't take that apart. I don't take chainsaws apart. Because it, it's dirty, it mm -hmm. messes my shop up. But um, I do chainsaws. I mean, I knives, scissors, gardening tools, uh, pinking shears, as I said earlier. Um, trying to think of the obtuse things I sharpen. The food processor blades. Blenders? Or oh, yeah, no problem. Oh, interesting. Okay. Anything with a blade, it sounds Anything like. Anything with a blade. As long as it, it's not a tooth. I do... Um, Serrated knives. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, but they have to be the... Um, scallop ones? Scallop ones, yeah. Okay. Well, that's... I'm still thinking about pinking shears, because I used to use pinking shears, and I'm like, how could you possibly sharpen them? Well, you have to have a machine, number one, which I have. Mm -hmm. um, but there's... I know this is going to bore people, but I'm just going to say I that. don't think it's okay. boring. So <laughs> there's five-degree angle zero degree angle or negative five angle. So the hardest part is doing the negative five, but I, I converted one of my my um, clamps. I took, again, it's boring. I took the pin out, and now I'm able to do negative five. Interesting. And instead of having a special machine to do that. And... Um, clever. Yeah. Well, I don't know about clever, but... <laughs> but, I mean, I do a knife edge scissors. A lot of people don't know what those are. If the knife, if the scissor says ginger on it, that's a knife edge pair of scissors. And that's another pair of scissors. You take them to somebody that doesn't know what they are, mm -hmm. they're going to ruin your scissor. Because one angle is 45 degrees on one side, on the other side, it's 15 degrees. 
And if you don't recognize that, you're going to ruin the scissor. I mean, it might still cut, but it won't cut like it should cut. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm trying to think what else I can say. <laughs> well, you talked a little bit about um, the challenges with the fob. So, and maybe this is a bad assumption, you can correct it. It's like, if you source the fob, you're probably getting it from the manufacturer and then you're reprogramming and these people are buying, I guess, knockoffs or cheap things they find on the internet. And that's where you're saying it may or may not right. program. There's, is that correct? Well, the, the stuff that's on the internet, it sounds too good to be true. And it is. Okay. Just to be honest with you, I'm not saying that to get people to buy from me personally, because I'm right. a soft sell, but um, I sell products car keys, fobs, and remotes that are very reliable um, from the vendor that I, I buy basically from, I have two sources, but I buy basically from one source. Okay. From the East Coast. And again, they're very good. If let's just say something happened in a dent program, I send it back, they send me another one and they're, you know, they're good like that. The stuff you buy on the internet, try to return it and tell me how much of an aggravation level that is. Mm -hmm. Even though you, they, you know, people buy something for like twenty bucks, and I might charge, let's say it's a remote for a GM, just a remote, I charge one hundred twenty-five. But by the time you get it and it won't program, you know, mm -hmm. then you have to try to send it back, and then you got to go through all the aggravation. Would come to me, it's one, two, three. I, I order it, I program it, boom, you're out the door. That's probably where the technology comes in because the who you're sourcing it from is probably making sure, or it sounds like ensuring that that fob is going to be compatible then with the right programming yes. versus if somebody, to your point, sometimes there are good deals and sometimes it's because of lack of quality control, lack of quality components or those kinds of things or don't don't meet the full specifications. So to your point, it may or may not work based upon right. the car. Okay. I, everybody that comes in, I, if they bring me something, I'd say there's no guarantee that it's going to program. And I, which I reiterated mm -hmm. earlier, that it, it's just a lot of the stuff comes from China. Mm -hmm. um, it's sometimes the people come in and the, there's no battery in the in the fob or the remote. I'm like, we, they didn't give you a battery. So then I have to get, sell them a battery. After, I mean, it, not that I care, but that's you just got to be careful when you go on eBay or Amazon or all that with car keys, fobs, and remotes. And you have to make sure you know exactly what year your car is because sometimes in between a year, they take this programming and they change it to this programming. Okay. So something like me, I know what month it changed. And I can I can order it specifically for that. But you could say, okay, I got a 2008 Nissan, whatever. But maybe in the middle of that year, they changed programming and changed, uh, you know, the the board in the in the like Toyotas like that. They have I have to know exactly what board. I have to take the the thing apart, the oh, fob, wow. take it apart, look at the board number, and then I order because they have two different boards for that one particular model. So, so it isn't just the software release. It's like the hardware as right. well, you know, yeah. that you're dealing with. And you have to know precisely when they got that. Right. And you just have to do your, you know, research. due diligence. Right. Do due diligence research. and research. And, you know, it's a sometimes it's a pain, but if you want to do business, that's what you got to do. Well, how good does it feel when you figure it out? I mean, well, it's got to mean a lot. Every time I get done programming something, I go like this. Thank God, Thank God. it, it was so smooth. When I was on the East Coast, the, the, the equipment we had, Toyotas and Lexus were, I didn't even bother with them. The, and the now I can do a Toyota push to start car in 30 seconds. But they're, you know, after I put it in the year make a model, blah, blah, mm -hmm. whatever, I put their, key, their fob up to the start button, it beeps. I take my fob and I put it up there and it goes beep, beep, and it's done. Lexus, same thing. Uh, I had a lady come in Christmas time in, in uh, 2021, and she wanted to get a fob for her son's Lexus. He was handicapped, but he drove. And then she came in like the 23rd of December. And um, she was like, 
I really want to get my son this this fob because he only has one, and I want to give it to him as a Christmas gift. Can you get it? The pressure. Yeah. And I said, well, I can only try because, you know, when the holidays come around. And shipping. Shipping, terrible. exactly. So I said, I can't guarantee. So I said, uh, I called my vendor, and they told me it's $35 for next day air, which is really cheap, to be honest with you. Um, and I got the, the fob, programmed it for, and I didn't make any money on the shipping. It was $35. I just passed that on. Mm-hmm. Just like when I do car keys, if I have to originate a car key, if I have to buy a code, I don't charge the customer for the... I charge them for the code, yeah. but I don't make any money on that. Mm-hmm. My money is made when I cut and program. So she um, she was thrilled. She was like, thank you, thank you. And I, her name is Linda, and I see her on the island here and there. And Every time I see her, she gives me a big hug. And, yeah. So that's the kind of relationships. People bring in stuff to my shop. I don't just take their stuff, sharpen it, give it back to them, and tell me they owe me 10 bucks or whatever it is. I actually, if you see my reviews on Google, you know, I have spectacular reviews because I interact with my customers. I just don't say, hey, you got five knives? Okay, here, take your ticket. Come back. Okay, here's, you owe me 20 bucks, whatever. I don't do that. I, I educate people on sharpening. I educate people on and everything. You know, because then you you build a a personal type of relationship, and a lot of people in business don't do that. Mm-hmm. It's it's very un. What's the word I'm looking for? Unprofessional. It, well, unprofessional, but I mean, if you want to build a business, and this is only my philosophy, my theory, you want to build a relationship in a community like this that we have here, you have to get personal. I mean, you don't ask them how old they are. (laughs) You know what I mean? You don't ask them, like, you know. But you have to, you know, try to personalize it. And the one review I have on Google, the guy says, I brought in however many knives, and he, Tommy sharpened them within 30 minutes, and in those 30 minutes, I was educated on about knife sharpening. So, you know. Yeah, they they learned. So, you know, if if you do that, then they they feel that they, they... they trust you. Mm-hmm. If that's a bad term, I'm not sure. But they trust you, and they believe in you, and, you know, it, you got to do it. I've worked hard for my, my, right. you know. And you believe in good customer service. Absolutely. That's, that's the, the only thing. That's what's happening with I've been you. in customer service business for years, years and years and years and years. I even worked in restaurants, bartended, waited tables mm-hmm. when I was younger, cooked. And if if you're in the customer service business, you can't be quaint or not quaint. You can't be curt and be short right. with people. No, no pun intended. I'm short, <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean. You, right. you gotta you gotta like sell them yourself. Right. You can't be in a bad mood no matter what. Nope. Well, I I loved all your reviews that I saw. You know, okay. Facebook, Google, um, Yelp. But the best, I think, I stumbled across it on YouTube. Uh oh. Where this realtor mm-hmm. said she had been everywhere because she couldn't get into, I think it was how she was selling, and nobody could help her. And then she went to you and you said, you know, I'll I'll go out there if if it the doesn't, key doesn't work. work. Yeah. Exactly. And and she just well, she made a video about it yeah. because of you. She just made another video just recently. If you go on YouTube and look, look up Kramer's Cutting Edge, mm-hmm. she just uh, about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, is my new because I moved my location. Mm-hmm. So now I'm between Pine Island Pizza and the 7-Eleven. I moved around the corner, and because uh, I needed a bigger space because I do so much other services mm-hmm. since I opened up my little shop. And so if you go on YouTube and you look up Kramer's Cutting Edge as a current video. Of our shop, mm-hmm. and um, I'm on it. She's on it. Her name is Julie Haddon. She's a great person. She does it for free. Yeah. But well, now she has lifetime sharpening and key cutting. So, of course she does. <laughs> of course. Well, it, it's just so impressive that, that oh, yeah. video that and she did. That. She. And yeah. I mean, the second video was actually better than the first oh. video, but the first vi- video was perfect. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't um, know how you escalate it. Past that, but well, you needed more room for your equipment, right? Yes, I was I was elbow to elbow with my equipment. 
My first space was under 300 square feet. My current space is around 900 to 1,000 square feet. And we, um, we came by that by accident. I went to Pine Island Pizza, but I actually pulled up in front of the sh my current shop. Yeah, I saw for rent. Wow. And I was like, holy cow. Because I, I wanted to be on Pine Island Road. Mm -hmm. And um, so I went over to the pizza place, and the person that owns my shop and the plaza and the building behind turned out to be one of my customers. And we negotiated a deal that was spectacular for me. I mean, spectacular. I can't. It was what they wanted and what I got it for and for the space I have. But I went in and I upgraded. I painted. I did this. I did that. And it's a nice looking little shop. And Ian wasn't there, right? No. Good. No. So I probably should have asked this earlier. Does the, um, I'm sure you can sharpen anything, but does the quality of the knife they yes. bring you change what you do or what it's not that it changes and then it. how like does it is it is it how long it holds the sharpening or is it or what 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 do you see from as knowing what's going on with the, the knife itself? The better quality knife sharpens up easier and holds an edge longer. Oh, okay. So and it also depends on what material that you're cutting on. Mm -hmm. The best material to cut on is wood. Okay. Not glass, not plastic. Okay. Don't um, don't use, people have the steel, like a culinary yeah. person. Mm -hmm. If don't you have that. one and you're not a culinary person, don't use it. Because the, all that's going to do is, if you don't hold it at the right angle, all it's going to do is roll your edge and dull your knife. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So that's a good, whoever's listening. Well, we used to use steel. <laughs> yeah, but, you have see, a that's little... a, but what it is, is that's only to maintain an edge or okay. to tune up an edge. Okay. It doesn't sharpen. All it does is just kind of tune it up. Oh, okay. But if you don't know how to use it, all you're doing is dulling your knife. Okay, good to know. And then, like the cheaper knives, cheaper knives, sometimes they, they're they hard to sharpen because they won't take an edge. Mm -hmm. I've had knives that I've sharpened six times. I think of all I had one customer, I said, listen, I can't sharpen this knife. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was it, it a Ginzu knife? No. <laughs> no. It wasn't a Ginzu knife. <laughs> and, and anybody out there that's listening... Don't ever buy a knife that says never needs sharpening because it's not, not true. true. Yeah. So that's just good advice for yeah. me. Ginzu's, I think, said that. Oh, yeah, a long time ago, 70s, 80s. <laughs> yeah, so long ago. So. You must have been up late at night to see that commercial. That was, oh, so that was in the 70s ago. and the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> but I never forgot them. Never needed sharpening. How many times do I ask you to sharpen our knives? A lot. A lot. Because I, and you just want a sharp knife. And not only that, I had read, and you can verify this if it's true or not, more accidents happen. People cut themselves With because the they're using knife. a dull Is that true? Yes. A dull knife, Steve? Yeah. Because what it, a sharp knife, it'll cut you, but it won't cut you jagged. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've got no feeling in this finger right here because I cut myself. I almost cut the tip off. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, so, and now I have no nerve here. No, <laughs> it's just, but a sharp knife um, will cut you. You won't feel it, but it'll cut you clean. A dull knife won't cut you clean. But it'll cut you. Right. And the other thing I want to just mention is if you guys out there uh, break the tip off your knife, you know, because everybody uses their knives for the wrong reasons, mm -hmm. we can restore that. Wow. Oh. I can, I can restore your point. You know, it, it that, takes, that's amazing you can do that. Yeah, I bet I can, you people don't know that. Yeah. So I've done it. Um, I charge five bucks for it. To you know, and I have a process that's actually time consuming, to be honest with you, because if you go at it too long, too fast or too hard, you're going to take the temper out of the blade. Mm -hmm. It'll turn blue. And so it, it's really a time consuming process for five bucks. You know what I mean? I should charge more, but. I'm trying to build my clientele. So we've talked a lot about the shop. Um, days a week that you're open, hours that you are open? Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. Okay. Uh, currently, on Saturdays, I'm closed until the season comes back. Okay. Um, and Sundays, of course, uh, I'm not open. Um, I'm considering, my wife wants me to do it, because I don't have a day off. Other than doing my business, I cook for the Elks and the VFW every Sunday. Mm -hmm. So I 
and, and then if, on Saturdays I do locksmith jobs. So okay. I basically I'm I'm working seven days a week. So she wants me to take Mondays off. So, but um, yeah, nine to five. Um, I answer my phone twenty four seven, but I don't do any emergency work. No, but you tell him about your friend. Yeah, yeah. and he doesn't do any emergency work. So no, nope. He's he's older than me. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned calling you, um, email, and of course dropping by the shop. Do you, do you use a email account or? It's Kramer's Cutting Edge at Yahoo.com. Okay, um, we're working on a website. I want to start a um, mail order expensive haircutting shear business. Oh, cool, yeah. Yeah, and then the clipper blades, because a lot of people don't do what I do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people put them in a box and ship them somewhere. And then, so they pay. Um, I think I, I, for the expensive haircutting shears, I charge between $35 and $45 a pair. Yeah. But you're talking about a four or $500 pair of shears. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they drop them and they bend the tips or dull the tips up. And then you got to repair them. So, cost you more money. Cost them more. <laughs> it takes more time for me, but yeah. So with working seven days a week, when you do take time off, what do you like to do when you're not sharpening or reprogramming fobs, et cetera? Um, I like to, believe it or not, I'm a vegetable. <laughs> I like to just sit. Watch a couple programs I like. Have a few beers, and I like to fish. Fish, okay. I love to fish. I have uh-huh. a, one of my customers is a charter boat captain, Randy Frank, Salty Sea Pirates. It's a cheap plug. Um, but he's taking us out like sixty miles on the Gulf, and we catch what well, they can't catch big grouper and big American red snappers. Oh, and, oh no, it's so so much fun. Go out there and have a few beers. Drop your line, pull up a fish, and it's hard to pull a fish up from 150 feet yes, deep. Yes, it is, yeah. I don't know if you've ever been deep-sea fishing, but it's very difficult. Mostly my, my, uh, well, I didn't hook it. A friend of mine hooked a yellowfin tuna, and he was a contractor, mm-hmm. one of the strongest guys I thought I ever met, and always was moving. Just one of the constant motion, strong guy, worked hard. I've never seen that. I mean, I, I don't think he came back up on deck for like, Two hours. He was so exhausted from trying to get it, that in. So it is a it is a job. No, no, no. The, the fish is fighting you. You're pulling it up from so deep. So you you got to crank and pull and crank and pull and crank and pull. And it, I mean, my wife, I've t- you know we've gone out together, and she was like, I can't do it. So I would take over, and meanwhile, then my pole would start bouncing, and the captain would have to come over, sure. and you know, take her rod and pull it up, but it's crazy how, how hard it is. I bet you you're the one that um is charged with filleting all the fish. You're probably very good at that. I can. When I was a kid, my friend's dad was a charter boat captain, so he taught me how to do it. But the captain always fillets all the fish at the end of the day. Oh. I sharpen his knives. I, you do yeah, sharp- you of course you do. <laughs> I sharpen his knives. Yes. But uh, he, uh, no, he's a really good... Charter boat captain. There's only six on a boat. Over on the East Coast, they put 10 on a boat. 12. Okay. And then for the future, um, your future ideas, you're going to do the website. You told me on the phone about watches. That mm-hmm. was, that's something new. Yeah. Is there anything else you're thinking of doing in the future? Well, the, the watch battery replacement I started doing about a month ago, and I've already done about 25 to 30 watches. Okay. Um, and then... I wanted to do UPS and FedEx shipping, but neither company was interested. They said they didn't need it here. And everybody I talked to here on the island said they would love it because you have to go to the UPS store off the island in Cape Coral. Yeah. Oh, my. They're not listening. I was going to convert my office that I have now into a shipping room. Mm -hmm. People, everybody I talked to, they were like, oh, that would be awesome. That would be great. Great. No one wants to leave Then I could hire somebody... Like an older person, you know, that wants something to do. Mm-hmm. And they just do that. And, you know, gives them something, not gives them something to do, but it's, you know. Perfect location. Perfect location. and But they said it's not needed here on the island. I don't know. How, I don't know. I don't know. How that... I'm not sure how you'd even measure that. Yeah, how do they know? 
not needed. My first shop in '92, I um, I did UPS. So, you know, that's before the barcodes and all that other mess mm -hmm. they had, and I was successful. Yeah, and you're experienced at it. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, I can't. Can't explain that. I, I what I try to do honestly is to provide services for the island that isn't here. I mean, other than my basic uh, talent of you know sharpening locksmithing, I'm self-taught about the watch batteries. Um, I just try to provide stuff that is not here because that helps me out. My sharpening brings people in my shop, mm -hmm. uh, and the people come in and I tell them what I do. I get new customers all the time. Somebody recommended the hardware store sent me over here because I have all the hard-to-find keys, golf cart keys, motorcycle keys, boat keys. I have all that. But that's to get the people in the shop. I'm not going to make a million dollars sharpening knives or gardening tools. <laughs> but then I tell them about my car keys, the fives, and remotes. And really, that's where, that's what keeps me open. Because, mm -hmm. you know, you can only sharpen some, so much and, you know, at my prices, I just raised my knife price to $4 a knife. <laughs> doesn't matter if it's this big, this big, or this big, you know. And, but I'm very reasonable. Yes. And, and that's all I can do. I, I just want to help the community. I want the community to support us because I'm doing a good job, and I can't, mm -hmm. you know, ask for more. Well, thank you so much. No, thank this, you. This was a great time listening to you. I had no idea. All the services that you offer. Um, it's just amazing. Your customers must be very happy. I know Trick's going to get our knives sharpened. <laughs> he doesn't have to listen to me. <laughs> just bring them in. I'll take care of you. Yeah. It sounds like a, a great plan. Thank you. No, thank you guys for having me. I, I appreciate really enjoyed it. it. We hope you enjoyed our Pine Island Experience podcast. If you have any ideas for us, people to interview, or any comments, Please feel free to email them to us at pineislandexperience at gmail.com. That's pineislandexperience, all one word, at gmail.com. Don't forget to like us, and you may subscribe to this podcast using all the major catchers like Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening, and remember, island life is a constant vacation. We'll see you on the next podcast.